Joined as always by Jake Anderson. Jake, we are finally doing an episode that is not following a Phoenix Rising win. In fact, they lost. Not even a draw. It's a different intro. First time they have uh, dropped points since May 4th. May 4th. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Long, long, long. It is September 25th, Jake. That's a long (laughs) time ago. It's over four months. Oh my word. Um,. Your instant kind of thoughts in the moment and just reaction. We're going to break down the match, like kind of specifically, because I think this this one deserves that, uh, given the way that it played out and just the the madness at the end, of course, but also just the fact that they lost. So, looking at what exactly happened there, but what was your instant reaction after? And now having a couple of days to sit with it, just how how it unfolded. I think it's wasn't meant to be on the night. I mean, you you saw. If you didn't see how the end of the match happened, you had Solo, Captain Solo, have two penalties saved um, in the last 10 minutes, and you would have bet your life that he'd convert at least one to tie the match, and uh, both of them were saved by the Fresno keeper, and it was just one of those nights where the ball wasn't going in. Um, Both teams were playing very well, very attacking. Um, It was... We like we were talking earlier. It was one of the first times we had seen this season where Rising was really having to defend, and not because they had a lead. It's because that they had a an opponent that was coming after them. And I can't even think of a team that was this direct with them until Reno. How long ago? I mean, I don't want to say every game from there has been, you know, easy, but in terms of an opponent that's been coming after them like that, and obviously Fresno's second place in the standings for a reason, but yeah, it was just a game that, you know, we had been talking about. This is a game that you circle as to this might be the test. It's a road match and you specifically, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um I was just surprised at how I don't want to say they didn't look dominant because, of course, they didn't, but it was much more than them not dominating. I mentioned this to you watching the first half. I have not seen them turn the ball over in their own half that much, like maybe all season, and they did it at least seven or eight times in the first half. And it was probably way more, honestly. Um, wish there was a way to know exactly the, the number, but uh, – it was it was Vassal and Musa were going between the center backs a lot, and they were just trying to get to the half line a lot, and they just couldn't get there a ton, an absolute ton of free kicks and corners for the opposition in the first half, and that was because they were giving up the ball, they were recovering transition, they were fouling, or it was a quick counter that resulted in a corner, the ball going out. Um, I thought they were actually fortunate to not be down at the half, uh, they didn't really get that many chances. Junior had a couple of good plays, but other than that, um, Solo didn't really make an impact on the game at all, especially in the first half. I thought uh, I watched the game back on replay, but watching it live, I would have said once, especially because of when the goal came, but from the 45th minute, in the so the start of the second half, to about the 
third, 65th minute, Rising actually controlled the game like they normally do, and they did not get a goal out of it. I don't even think they got really a super marquee chance there, or any just a, really a half chance there. But that was the moment where either team, it wasn't like uh, Fresno was controlling the game necessarily in the first half, but they were just they were coming at him like like you said. Mm-hmm. And then at the start of the second half, Rising actually had the game in their hands for 20 minutes and was just pinging the ball around, center backs on the half line. The center backs were in their own box for the whole, the whole first half, basically. And at that point, I was like, oh, we're in trouble. Then the first goal, Cochran gets the ball off. I, I don't believe it was a goal kick. I think the ball was just played back to Lubin. Cochran gets it in the corner, boots it to the half line. A couple bounces later, it winds up uh, on the feet of the goal scorer. What was this? I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, but the goal scorer, regardless, makes a move. Cochran just goes into another dimension. He's just completely out of the play. Um, and then he still, I thought he still had time to recover to the ball, at least to challenge the shot. But it, it wasn't there. The recovery wasn't there, and it was a good shot. And went in, and the whole storyline of the broadcast was rising, has only trailed for less than 90 minutes during this entire run combined. Uh, and then they trailed for only a couple of minutes because <laughs> they equalized. Yeah, and I, I'm going to do just a terrible job of of botching his name, um, but the goal scorer's name is is Cutis Lawal. Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, Lawal. Yeah, uh, Nigerian. That. I actually have a Nigerian friend. I can ask how to uh, properly <laughs> pronounce we'll, we'll that. We'll know next episode. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he came on. Uh, he came on in the 60th minute and then scored in the 68th. So he made an impact right away. Yeah, we were talking about. We weren't sure if if AJ just what got wrong footed or if he felt that there was going to be an overlapping pass and he wanted to play the passing lane just because you saw a couple step overs and a cut to the left and there was acres of space in between him and the next rising opponent and took a shot you're not sure if Dembouillet blinded Zach Lubin at all um but it was a great shot it was a great finish and and you saw the the meaning behind that goal the entire stadium everyone on the team everyone on the sidelines was going nuts I mean in and I would hope it's a combination of the fact that they're going to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in their club history, and it wasn't just the fact that they were now beating Phoenix Rising late. Maybe I'm wrong, but all in all, to see the emotion on the field of the first goal of that game. Oh, yeah, they lost it. They went absolutely bonkers. And then you see... Kind of the, what we were expecting, kind of, oh, okay, Rising's not done. Because it was pretty immediate right back. You get the a very coolly done Junior Fleming's off of his chest in the box and slots at home. And then it's 1-1 game on. And, you know, unfortunately a penalty is given. And there were three penalties given after that. And the the rest is history. But I do want to point out that uh, the midfield trio of Aguinaga, Vassal, and Musa that was only the second time that those three have started together, and the other game that that was was against Tacoma. So there were kind of similarities in terms of how the game at least started to the toward the end of the end of the second half. It's where it's nil-nil, and then they're losing, and then there's a quick comeback. But obviously, Tacoma and Fresno are just on completely end of the spectrum in terms of overall quality. And... You have to tip your hat to to Fresno. I mean, as of right now, if Rising doesn't beat New Mexico, 
Fresno will be the only team Phoenix Rising has not beaten this year in the Western Conference. Fleming's equalizer was just a scrap play where Musa got a quick free kick. He just booted it down there. And the defender, it was surprising because it was one of those plays where you expect Fleming's defender to be kind of in the wrong position because Musa played it so quickly. He was actually right there. Just mistimed his jump. Didn't get a good read on the ball. Talked about a lot coming into this, how you need Flemings and Asante to not do magical things in order to beat them. Thought Flemings' first touch qualified off his chest. Lands right in front of him. Put slots at home. Uh, but then things got weird, man. What what happened with all those pens? In terms of like how they were given, how what, they were what taken? Did, yeah, what did you think of all three? Because I think all three were questionable. I, I mean, some of the handballs are just like... What do you what can you do? But I think because we live in an age now to where on a, any given weekend we can watch a league that has VAR and it has a replay of every single angle imaginable and you have a second referee that can take away or give a penalty and then we watch Phoenix Rising play and we watch USL and it's, it's kind of back to old fashioned the ref has one look at it. He might be able to talk to one of his ARs but Whatever he's going to give, he's going to give. And with handballs, that's always the scariest. And I always equivalent a handball now to a catch in the NFL. Nobody knows what it is. It is completely subjective to everybody. So on the day, um, depending on what fan you are, it can be seen as harsh. Um, but you really didn't see too much argument from the, the players. I mean, usually if it's absolutely just outrageous... You'll see players just going off, and I don't think you saw that. Um, obviously, you have players always going to argue. You're always going to have players argue. You could kick a ball out of bounds, and they said it's the other team's ball, and you'll you'll see players argue. I mean, that's just how how the game is. But I, I agree with you. I think <sighs> I would say at least one of Rising's penalties might have been. Um, if you would have taken it back, I would have been like, okay, you know. That was that one was generous, <laughs> um, but hey, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if maybe the, sometimes refs give up makeup calls because just quickly off the top of my head, if you think of the uh, Copa America Centenario a few years back when uh, Argentina lost to Chile and there were the two reds, you had uh, the uh, or excuse me, yeah, it was Argentina Chile. You had the two reds, but the first one was a questionable second yellow. And then the ref then made up for it by giving an extremely questionable straight red. So sometimes refs do that as well. And you don't like it, you hate to see it, but it happens. And then to go to the finishing, obviously we're going to focus more on solo. It's The first one was, I mean, it wasn't a great pen. It was at a very easy height. It was one of those you're just trying to send the keeper the other way and... He went the correct way, so it's easily savable. The second one, if you watch the replay in nano-nanoseconds, he gets a slight stitch of his glove to it. Yeah. And it and it comes off the, the post, so you got to tip your hat to the Fresno keeper. I mean, it's not easy saving a penalty once, but twice from the leading goal scorer in the league in less than 10 minutes when your team has one goal lead against the best team in the league. I mean... Honestly, it's just hats off to Fresno all around. And I think that game encompasses why Rick Shans wants to make it a point that 
they're going to judge this team on two differently entire tiers. They're going to base it off the regular season, and then they're going to base it off the playoffs. Because that kind of game can happen at any point in the playoffs, and boom, your season's over. Whereas that kind of game doesn't happen 34 times, you know? What Rising has done, just over the win streak alone, they got 60 points. The highest team in the league after Phoenix Rising is 56 points, not even <laughs> 60, and they've played 30 matches, most of them anyway. Did you see any part of this loss that was concerning to you in terms of projecting their them being an outright favorite to win the, win the championship? I mean, obviously, anytime there's a loss, you can always point to things that you could say, oh, I'm worried here because what I saw in this particular match, let's say, would be the midfield battle. I I didn't think they did very well in the midfield. Um, But then again, this is only the second time that that midfield trio has played together. And personally, I would not play that midfield three together if I had the choice. You know, perfect world, I'm playing John Baccaro, Kevon Lambert, and Jose Aguinaga. I'm not playing James Musa and uh, Peter Lee Vassell. So I think the continuity and the structure of the team and and just all of that going into it would make a big difference. Um, obviously being on the road is a very big difference. Um, but yeah, if there was one thing I had to point to just based on this game alone, it would be the midfield. I uh, I'm really interested to see the New Mexico game now even more. Because I had already been talking about it for weeks and still continue to talk about it today because draw, technically a draw, loss and penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, response game for them just in terms of the season. And now this is one where they're going to they're gonna come out firing. I, I think this was not a... So to kind of end on the whole win streak and everything and, and looking at the loss, did you expect it to be the loss to be a game... A potential loss to be a game where they I don't think they came out slow in this game I don't think they came out unprepared or lethargic like you'll see in these situations sometimes I think they came out and played pretty decent it's just they played a really good side that had a clear plan Fresno is from what the announced team was saying I, I haven't seen them play outside of when they play rising but they like to play over the top they like to get going and they they changed their play style looked like and they just had a really good plan and their defensive pressure was, was really sound yeah I mean if if you look at their fixtures, they're the most informed team in the West, other than Phoenix. And, you know, maybe that is the formula to beating Phoenix. You don't allow them to, you don't allow Phoenix to take the ball from you at midfield or even in your own half and, you know, maybe challenge the back line in terms of pace and over the top. And we have seen teams do that. Reno did that. And, and had success, didn't end up in goals, but we have seen teams do that in the past and have success. Um, I think if you're in New Mexico, you're, it's very unfortunate. You're going to be playing a very, very pissed rising team as they battle for their spot in the playoffs. Um, like you said, other than Fresno, they're the only team that Phoenix has not beaten yet this year. Um, so we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, and a little tidbit, Phoenix can still actually clinch the supporters shield before they even kick off on Saturday. Um, Indy plays tonight and they also play prior to Phoenix on Saturday. So if they were to drop four of their six points, Phoenix would be the USL 2019 regular season champs. 
Solo 0 for 2 on penalties in this game. We talked about it. If he steps up and takes a penalty one more time in the regular season, let's say he takes only one and he doesn't convert, do they think about changing it at all in the playoffs or no way? If he misses three straight. I don't think he misses three straight. That's what, But if he does. But if he does, yeah. I still think no. Me neither. Just because it's one of those the word there's there's no one that's having that, you know, Cavani Neymar, I want the ball kind of thing. <laughs> it's literally incredible the, callback. Yeah. Like they're all putting their arms around him, they're all supporting him. It's you've gotten us this far kind of thing to where, you know, if for for any NFL fans, last year when Alshon Jeffrey the ball goes right through his hands in the playoff game, like he got them to that to that point with how how well he played that year. And it's kind of like if anyone is allowed to drop a pass, it was Alshon Jeffrey. If anyone is allowed to miss a penalty on this team, it's Solomon Asante yeah. for everything he's brought this year. So I think they'll be practicing him a lot as they get closer to the playoffs um, just because pens are a possibility. And this team historically does not do well in penalty shootouts as well. So I, I think confidence-wise, Solo might be down on himself, but I know his teammates... Rick Schantz, everybody's right there to pick him up and has his back. So two more games left on the road. This three-game road trip they have, I believe it is New Mexico, and then is it Tacoma after that, I believe? And then they, I believe they end with two home games uh, and then the regular season. So I, I know it's a three-game road trip for sure. And that's, yeah, They already played uh, Tacoma twice. Oh, okay. I can't remember who the uh, I know they play OKC... When they get back, oh, they go to Portland. They go to Portland. Okay, so I think this has just become automatically just a fascinating uh, road trip now because if they drop points on two out of three of these games, now the question becomes like, are, are they going to be in good enough form for the postseason? Should we expect like them to be really, really tested in the quarterfinals uh, and, and so on? Uh, but if they just bounce back and act like nothing happened and just absolutely crush these last four or five games like they have in the entire season, then... There's no reason to be alarmed, but now it's going to be the response, but more so just the form in the next couple of games uh, will be will be quite telling in my opinion, and I'm really excited for you to get back out there to practice and uh, to having Rick Schantz back on the show and just see what he thought specifically uh, of the loss because that was just a really unstructured, sloppy offensive game from them where they really missed um, Baccaro and, and Lambert. It was it was though three of those four guys playing as then we talked about a ton when we talked about Piccaro being out and, and Vassal was in there he looked good incredible athlete um, but yeah, you de- were definitely you were the, mesmerized by his pace when, when, I, when he sprinted for the first time I was like oh my god <laughs> you just weren't ready for it at all um, we'll be back next week talk about that New Mexico match see uh, what really transpired um, and, and how they responded it sh- should be fun we'll see you then peace <laughs>